Good day and welcome once again to Crossfaith Bible Ministries. We're going to continue on with our Bible study today in the Gospel of John, chapter 13. Today we'll be covering verses 27 through 38. Let's review from last week. Last week we learned and we seen where Jesus and his disciples, he's telling them, they're at this Last Supper, he's telling them that one of you is going to betray me, right? And, and the disciples are in shock because Jesus often spoke to them about how he was going to go down to Jerusalem, how he was going to be betrayed, how he, he was going to be arrested, and eventually he was going to be put to death. But he tells them, it's not the end because I'm going to be raised from the dead and eventually I'm going to send back to the Father. So Peter, he wants to know who it is, right? If you remember from last week. So Peter leans over to what the Bible told us. He leans over to the disciples that Jesus loved the most. He loved every, all the disciples the same, but what the scripture is saying is that the one he spent or invested the most time in, right? And, and we've seen that it's probably John himself. So Peter leans over to John and says, ask him which one, right? Peter wants to know which, which one of the disciples is going to betray him. And the Bible told us that John leaned over and he says, Lord, who is it? Which one, right? And Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread that I have dipped in the dish. Then after dipping, remember what the scripture told us, he dipped the bread in the dish. He gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. So today what we're going to see is that Jesus is going to predict Peter's denial of him. So with that being said, open up your Bibles to John 13, starting in verse 27. In verse 27, we read, it begins, as soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered him. So Jesus told him, what, are, what you are about to do, do it quickly, Jesus says. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had been in charge of the money, some thought that Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. And as soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out, and it was night. And when he was gone, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself, and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little while longer. You will look for me, just as I told the Jews. So I tell you now that where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow me but you will follow me later. And Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And Peter, and Jesus answered Peter, will you really lay, lay down your life for me? Very, very truly I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will have disowned me or denied me three times. Now, before we get into this lesson, what I want you to keep in mind is that Jesus knows exactly what's going on here, right? He knows all, right? He knew about 
Judas. He knew about Peter. But, but understand this. He didn't change the situation. In other words, he, he didn't stop loving them. And in the same way, Jesus knows exactly what you will do to hurt him. As well as certain times of your life, because we do hurt him in certain, certain areas of our life, right? We do, because we're human. But yet he still loves you unconditionally. He forgives you unconditionally whenever you ask for it, whenever you seek for forgiveness. And Judas couldn't understand this. And, and, and we're going to see this as we continue on in the studies. The next several lessons, we see that, that Judas's life ends tragically, right? But Peter, on the other hand, he denies the Messiah. He denies the Christ. He denies Jesus. But, but Peter understood this. And despite his shortcomings, despite his failures, despite his disappointments that he disappoints Jesus, his life ends in victory because he never let go of his faith. Hallelujah. And it's a lesson for us that no matter how many times we let Jesus down, because we do, that Jesus loves us. And we need to hold on to our faith. We need to hold on to the belief that Jesus loves us unconditionally. Amen. So let's go back and look at these scriptures here. Today, let's dissect this Bible study, so to speak. In verse 27, let's go back up. It says this, that as soon as Judas had took the bread, Satan entered him. So Jesus told him, whatever you're going to do, do it quickly, right? So it was at this time that we see an act happening. Jesus gives him this piece of bread that's dipped in bitter herbs, if you remember from last week. And it, he's, he's going to show us something here. He's going to show us what he's about to do. So as soon as Judas takes this bread, the scripture says, Satan entered into him. And Jesus tells him right away, then whatever you're going to do, Judas, do it quickly. You see, Jesus knew what was going to happen. He knew where Judas was going, that Judas was going to sell him out, that he was going to sell his soul for Satan and for the love of money. So we see that Jesus knows. And he tells Judas, in other words, he's saying, Judas, I understand where you're going. I understand what's fixing to happen to me. Go ahead and, and, and sell your soul to Satan because you love money so much, right? Verse 28. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. So we see here that when Jesus leans over and he talks to Judas and he says, hurry and go, go do what you're going to do and do it quickly. In other words, he's telling them, go, go sell your soul to the devil. The disciples see this, but they don't understand what Jesus is saying to him, right? <clears throat> Why is that? Well, verse 29 tells us, since Judas had been in charge of the money, some thought that Jesus was telling him to go buy what was needed for the festival or even to go give something to the poor. So the disciples think that because Judas is in charge of the money that Jesus is telling them, look, go buy stuff for the festival, make sure everything's right, or maybe even go buy something and give it to the poor people. Verse 30, as soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out, the Bible says. So we see that he leaves. Now, where is he going? He's going to the high priest. He's going to betray Jesus. Remember, Satan had just entered into Judas. So he, he's headed to the religious leaders. Why? To turn on Jesus, to betray Jesus. Now, Satan knows Judas's weakness. And the weakness that Judas has is the love of money. See, money was Judas's God. 
And we all have weaknesses in our area of our lives, right? That's the message for us. So we must guard against those certain weaknesses in our area by putting on the full armor of God every day, right? To be in scripture, to pray, to have a relationship with Christ, to rely on Christ, to stay close to him. So we won't be influenced by Satan. We won't be influenced by his demons. And the Bible also tells us right here in the scripture that it was night. Now, what does night represent? Biblically speaking, it's to hide something, right? In other words, he's going to do it at night. Why? Because he doesn't want anyone else to see what he's doing. In other words, you can say he's a deceiver. But, but who else we know is a deceiver? Satan, right? And just a little side note here. The law, the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders, right? It was their law that they not meet at night. That they always had to meet. They had to be transparent. So we see here that they're breaking their own rule. They're breaking their own law to get what they want. And what do they want? They want to arrest Jesus. They want to bring Messiah to the cross. And the cross symbolizes the payment for redemption. Remember. And we need to know in the scriptures that there's a connection between darkness and redemption. Now what do I mean by that? What I mean is this, if you go back to the book of Exodus, the children of Israel went out of Egypt. They experienced this redemption from Egypt. When? At night. All this happened at night. Remember, the angel of death came what? Overnight. So all these things are coming into play here according to God and what God wants us to perceive, right? We also know that night represents darkness biblically. So this is in reference to Satan. So it's saying that Judas is... Is controlled by Satan. So Judas walks in darkness, meaning that he's lost. Verse 31. When he was gone, Judas said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. So we see that Peter calls him before Lord, right? Teacher. Remember the passage before last week? It said Lord and teacher and teacher and Lord. But now look what Peter taught. Tells him. He calls him what? Jesus calls himself the Son of Man. He tells Peter. He tells his disciples. So he was Peter and the disciples, and Jesus was, was referencing himself as a teacher and the and, and and you know the Lord last week and Lord and teacher and so forth. Now he's saying the Son of Man is glorified. Now, what does the Son of Man represent? The Son of Man represents servant. So what Jesus is saying is this, I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to do the service that I was sent, that the Father sent me to do in this world. Why? So all glory and honor and praise would be the outcome of that, and it goes to Him, the Father. You see, when we submit to the purposes of God, the outcome of that is going to be glory being manifested in us. Where all the glory and all the honor and all the praise goes to God the Father. Amen. Verse 32. If God is glorified in Him, God will glorify the Son in Himself and will glorify Him at once. So this passage is teaching us a principle here. And it's this. That when we submit, when we do the service that God has called us to do, we become an instrument that manifests God's glory. Amen. And, and, and in this manifestation of God's glory, God's going to be glorified. The Son's going to be glorified, right? 
God's going to respond or Jesus, the Holy Spirit is going to respond to us because we are glorifying Him. So we can say that God is moved. The Spirit is moving in us. And because of that, God is moved to manifest Himself through His Son, Jesus, and this act of service that Jesus did for all of humanity. And the same thing could be said for you. The same thing could be said for me. Because when we submit, when we become an instrument of God, when we do God's will, we become a vessel that manifests God's glory. Hallelujah. Right? And when God's glory is manifested, then He's at work. He's moving in our life. He's moving in our situation. And right here, certainly, He's working at this time in Jesus' life. Verse 33, My children, I will be with you only a little longer, Jesus says. Now look what He says, my children. Now, Jesus says this word, children or child, right? And we know biblically speaking, the word child or children means obedience. It represents obedience. So he's letting the disciples know here two things. The first thing is he's telling them, I'm obeying my father. In other words, I'm doing the father's will. Secondly, he's saying, because I obey Him, because I do His will, because I'm an instrument, I'm a vessel for Him, then I'm doing that, then you need to do it as well. So He's telling them, I'm being obedient, and because I'm doing His will, because I'm being obedient, right? God's going to be glorified, He's going to be honored, He's going to be praised. But He's saying, I'm doing that, but you also need to do that in your own life as well today. He tells them, I will be with you only a little longer. So he's warning them. He's telling them, I'm only here for a short time because I'm going to be put to death. He says, you will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, Jews meaning the religious leaders, right? The ones who followed the traditions of the elders. He's saying, where I'm going, you can I come. So he's talking about going back to his heavenly father. He's speaking here about his death, his burial, and what's going to be his resurrection and ascension back to the father and to heaven. Verse 34, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. So he's teaching us here about submissiveness. See, love always brings out a submissive quality in a person. Love causes us to give. It causes us to suffer also, maybe for someone else. He says, a new commandment I give you. Now, is this command new to love? No, it's not new. Because if you look in the book of Leviticus chapter 19, 18, it tells you. You must love your neighbor as yourself. This is what it says, Leviticus 19, 18. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So why Jesus says a new covenant then? Because we need to understand the meaning of this word new. See, 
when the word new is used in the Bible, it is often talking about something that's not brand new, something that didn't exist previously, no. But instead, this term new is related to the kingdom of God. So he's speaking here, and his emphasis is on the kingdom of God. Remember what John says in the book of Revelation. John's speaking, and he speaks about this kingdom of God, and he says, Behold, all things are new. Revelation 21.5. Then he sat on the throne and said, Behold, I make all things new. So he's speaking here to his disciples, and when he says, I give you a new commandment, he's giving us a kingdom commandment, and that is this. How can we manifest the kingdom reality in our life and how we live today that can be seen by all, by everybody? So although he's talking about the kingdom of God, he's saying that kingdom commandment is that new commandment. It's to, it's to glorify God by letting God and the Holy Spirit into you where you can be a vessel for God where everyone can see. See, you can live a kingdom reality today. That's what that means. That's what I'm trying to get you to understand here. Our life needs to manifest God. We need to be a vessel for God. We need to be an instrument for God. Why? Because it's our job to reach people. It's our job to let the light in us shine where they see that light. And that light is the Holy Spirit. That light is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. Well, we can bring them to Jesus and speak to them about the kingdom and speak to them about the goodness of Jesus and the goodness of the kingdom. Amen. Verse 35. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, how do we demonstrate that we are his disciples? We demonstrate by this, by love. Man, if we love our neighbor as ourselves, right? If we love one another. No, notice the word if. He says if. Now, why does he say if? Because God gives you the ability to choose, people. See, we can either live our life for him, being a vessel, being an instrument, in, in some sacrificial manner, right? By demonstrating love. To your neighbor by demonstrating love to one another or we don't have to do that we, we, we can just go the other route right and live for the flesh but he says I, I want you if if means you got a choice but if you're a follower of mine if you're going to be a disciple if you're going to be a good servant then then your life must be manifested from a kingdom perspective the, the, the kingdom power and that is love Love everyone you meet. Love your neighbor as yourself. So when you look into this world today, this world's destroyed. This world has no love. See, there's two perspectives, if you remember from last week. There's love and hate. That's it, biblically speaking. But he says, you need to love. See, only love comes from the manifestation of the gospel. Why do I say that? Because there's a relationship between the gospel, the good news, and the ability to love. The ability to demonstrate love to one another or towards one another. Amen? Verse 36. Simon Peter asked, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow now, but you will 
follow later. So we see here that Peter doesn't understand what Jesus is saying. Peter doesn't understand where Jesus is going. Remember, Jesus always spoke from a kingdom perspective. Now, Jesus is speaking to him, so it shows here, not only Peter doesn't understand, but his disciples don't understand what he keeps talking about, that he's leaving, he's going away. Jesus is saying, I'm going back to the Father. You won't be able to see me for a little while, but one day you will. And Peter doesn't understand this. See, he's saying, I'm going back. He's going back to where he came from. He's saying, I'm going back to the heavens. And the fact Peter doesn't understand this shows a truth that is consistent with all the rest of the disciples. And what is that? That their understanding to grasp the teaching concerning the kingdom of God, they didn't get it. They didn't get it. Verse 37. And it wasn't until after the ascension of Jesus Christ back into heaven that they get it. And we're going to discuss that when we get to it, especially in the book of Acts, which is going to be the next book that we go to. Verse 37, Peter asks, Lord, why can't I follow you? I will lay down my life for you. Now notice what he says. Peter calls him Lord. But we, we really see right here that Peter really doesn't understand what Jesus is saying. Peter says, why not? Why can't I follow you wherever you go, right? He's kind of taking it as an insult. But look what he, Peter calls him, Lord. Now, if Peter really understood that he was the Lord, that he was the Messiah, if he really understood that, then he wouldn't disagree with Jesus. So it just shows us once again, he calls him Lord, but he really doesn't understand who Jesus is. He doesn't understand what Jesus is talking about when Jesus says, I'm going away. See, Jesus was put on this earth for a job. And that job's fixing to come soon and it's going to be over. And Jesus is telling him, you, you, you can't follow me. And Peter, why can't follow you? Peter says, I'm going to lay down my life for you. I'm going to sacrifice for you, some of your Bibles might say. Now, this is what I believe. This is very similar to what happened in the Old Testament in the story of Isaac. When Abraham laid Isaac on the table or at a bedrock, right? He was going to sacrifice him because he was being obedient to God. He was listening to God. Now, we know that he doesn't sacrifice him, but it just shows his commitment to the Lord. I mean, Isaac was the chosen son. It wasn't Ishmael, it was Isaac. Because off of Ishmael became the Muslims, you see. Isaac was what? For the Jews. So, we see that Isaac submitted. He didn't understand what was going on. He didn't understand what was happening. And the same is true here with Peter. But Isaac what? Submitted. He didn't fight Abraham. And in return, what this brings about for Isaac is what? It's life. He lives. And Peter's saying here, Lord, man, I, I'm, I'm willing to be like Isaac, right? I'm willing to sacrifice myself for you. So we can say that Peter was taking this from Jesus, you can say, as an insult. Like, I'm going to sacrifice for you. I want to be like Isaac. And Jesus saying, no, you can't. And Jesus answered him this. Look what Jesus says right here. Last verse for the day. Jesus, he asked the question. That's how he answered. He asked the question. Will you really lay down your life for me? 
So Jesus responds here with a question about laying down his life for him, meaning Jesus. I mean, Peter, you willing to lay down your life for me, right? Now, we know at first this doesn't happen with Peter, right? But later, what does Peter do? Peter lays down his life for the gospel. He lays down his life for Jesus. So this is why Jesus says the next part of this text. Jesus tells him, very, very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. So Jesus is saying that rooster's not going to crow until you deny me three times, Peter. So we see that Jesus basically is telling Peter this. He's saying, what you just said is not true. What you just said is actually false because you're not going to lay down your life for me. Not now. In fact, Jesus tells him, in just a few hours from now, you're going to deny me three times. And after that third time, then the rooster's going to crow. See, let me end with this. Peter, very proudly, you can say, told Jesus that he was ready to die for him, that he was ready to be that sacrifice for Christ. But you see, Jesus knows better. And that's why Jesus corrected him. He knew that Peter would deny him three times to protect himself because Peter feared. You see, most of the time in our enthusiasm, right, it is easy to make promises. But God knows the extent of that promise. God knows the extent of our commitment. And that's why the Apostle Paul teaches us to be honest in our estimates of ourselves, right? To be honest with ourselves. Romans 12.3 says this, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So instead of bragging, show your commitment to Jesus a little at a time. You can say step by step, right? See, because we all are work in progress as our relationship, as our faith grows in Christ Jesus. See, we have to grow in knowledge of God's Word. And in, not only in God's Word, but we have to grow in knowledge in our own faith towards Christ. Amen? And that ends our lesson for today. Uh, we're going to be back in a couple of weeks. We're going to take off next week for Christmas and so forth, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks. But we sure do appreciate you all tuning in to our podcast. Uh, you know, if, if you know that someone maybe needs to hear the Word of God, go ahead and and, and welcome in or share the podcast and, and tell them about the podcast a little bit. And we also on Facebook and uh, in a private group. Uh, if somebody wants to be a part of it, they can uh, ask for an invite and we'll surely accept them. So with that being said, we love you guys. God bless. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Uh, be a blessing. Be a light for someone this holiday season. We love you guys. Until next time, God bless.